You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. This sermon was preached by Bob Odom, who serves in the pastoral team at LifeGate Church. You can find out more about us at www.lifegateseguin.com. I'm speaking today from Psalm 13. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bible, it would really help to have it open today. I did use this same psalm as a study in Super Psalms, and Josh heard that we had studied Psalm 13, and he asked me if I would develop it a little more and preach on it today, and I was very glad to do that. So the title of the sermon today you're going to see is coming right out of this psalm. It's called, How Long, O Lord? That's the title of of our time together from Psalm 13. Now, there are times in every Christian's life, I believe, when we we feel this question even if we don't vocalize it. How long, O Lord? (laughs) We just wonder, Lord, how long, how long, how long? Maybe we wonder it like about how long will, will these afflictions last? Or how long will my son or my daughter ignore you, Lord? Or how long will we be laughed at as believers? Or in some parts of the world, some say, how long, O Lord, will these persecutions last? Maybe we all say sometimes, how long will this illness linger? How long before we get out of debt? (laughs) You ever thought that? How long before the rain? You know, maybe before the service is over. Um, We have in our congregation too, those who are caregivers, lots of caregivers, those who are care recipients. And sometimes that question may come. How long, O Lord, and, and will you help us to do this well? Whether we're those receiving or those giving. There are those in our congregation that have lingering illnesses. You could well ask, How long, O Lord, before I get relief from this or healing from this? There are those, probably, I don't know, you tell me, who feel the pains of aging. There are those too that just are weary in soul and body and ask, How long, O Lord, will this weariness be? Well, could we hear today Psalm 13 and let it sink into our hearts? Or as I've been thinking, uh, I thought of this even as I preached at Cindy's mom's funeral Monday. Just let the water of the word wash over us. Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of the water of the word. Let the Word of God wash over us today. I don't know what you came with expectation today, what you hope will come from this time together, but would you hear God's Word today as I read it in Psalm 13? And may it just wash over our very souls and and may it become like a balm to us that heals and comforts and ministers to everyone. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart 
all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13 gives us a picture of one who has passed from lament to prayer to rejoicing and trusting. And that's kind of the three areas that I I hope that we can see today because that becomes for us kind of a template or a pattern that if we learn this, we will find our lives are, are incredibly enriched and we will find tremendous relief in our lives if we learn the pattern that God's Word lays out for us. And we learn to lament. And we learn to pray. And we learn to rejoice and trust. Now, this psalm is part of a group of 41 psalms. You ever notice when you're reading through your Bibles, you find book one of psalms, and and then you find a little later book two, book three, goes through book five. Well, The first book of Psalms is 41 Psalms, and they're mostly written by David. And there's a a recurring theme, and this is what it is. That we can have confidence in God's grace even in the face of enemies and affliction. Did you get that? 41 Psalms, if you boil them all down, could say this to us. We can have confidence in God. Because He cares for us even when we're opposed by enemies or we have afflictions of various kinds. Confidence in God. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. How would you like to have been in David's sandals uh, when he went, Saul, the king, had heard about this guy who is a terrific musician. And he can play well, he can sing well. And Saul found comfort in his own soul when David was making music. And so he sent for him and said, play music, sing, minister to my soul. And David did that and as he sang and as he ministered and Saul was supposedly soaking this in, then Saul got mad and threw a spear at him and tried to kill him. And then after a little time went by, David began to see this is not going well. He may have invited me, but... But he didn't mean it like I thought. And so he began, he had to run. He had to be on, he was on, on the, the hide, you know. He was going into caves, going everywhere he could to get away from Saul. And Saul pursued him with the full intent of killing him. This David, who just came to sing and minister to his soul. And jealousy set in, in Saul's heart. And he wanted to kill David. And so David didn't rise up in rebellion against him. He just ran and hid with a group of men that gathered around him. It's kind of odd. You read it in the Old Testament. Everybody who was disgruntled and unhappy in life gathered around David and met him out there. Well, that's a great group to be around, but you know, that, that's what he had. And David is the guy, but other circumstances in his life may have led to this as well. David is the guy who said, how long, O oh Lord? 
How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? Do you remember? David could have said, do you remember Samuel the prophet came to our house, anointed me to be the king after Saul? Well, it doesn't look like I'm headed in that direction. The king is trying to kill me. How long will you hide your face from me? He asks of God. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Well, this psalm, those two verses, four times in two verses, David says, how long, O Lord? This psalm has got six verses. Those first two are what I would call lament. He's lamenting to God. Now listen, it's one thing to lament to God. It's another thing to lament to everybody else. Usually when we lament to everybody else, they just think we're griping. But there's something special about lamenting to God and crying out to Him. And we're going to see how that moves into new realms in our lives and takes us to a place of trusting and rejoicing. Those first two verses, though, are the lament. And then the next two verses are really the prayer. And the last two verses, the rejoicing and the trusting. Here's what I hope we can see today. I'm gonna, there are two words. We sang one of them in one of the songs today, but one of them is more common than the other. Prevail and travail. But let's define what that means. You know what? The travailing leads to prevailing. But what in the world is travail? Travail means literally. It's going to be on the wall here, isn't it? There it is. Okay. Way to go, Joseph. Travail means to toil, to work very hard. It refers to labor pains as in childbirth. It means intense pain. Travail, the travail of a soul it's when there's a crying out to God. There's a crying out. Wanting God to move. God to do what only God could do. If it's something we could do, we'd just go do it. But the travail of our soul is in agony, intense pain. We're crying out to God. Lord, would you do this? This is what David was going through. How long, O oh Lord, are these people going to pursue me? How long, O oh Lord, is this going to go on? Will you forget me forever? So, He's lamenting, he's travailing, so that he may prevail. Now here's some, the word prevail means to overcome, to gain the victory. And I wanted to, I don't know if I put this up. Yeah, I did. Even Webster's Dictionary in helping us to understand what does it mean to, to uh, prevail uses Exodus 17.11 to help us to understand the meaning. This is why it's valuable to use an old dictionary. I'm serious. This is why old dictionaries are good, because incredible the understanding. And the picture that we have from Exodus 17.11 is that Moses, as the, as the Israelites were fighting Amalek, they, they were down in this valley fighting. Moses was up on this hill, and as long as Moses held his hands up, they prevailed. The Israelites prevailed in battle over uh, the Amalekites. Well, Whenever he got weary and lowered his hands, then the Amalekites prevailed over the Israelites. So Aaron and Hur went up there and said, we can't have this. So one of them held up one hand, one held up the other. Don't, you cannot lower your hands. They held them up so that there would be prevailing of the Israelites over the Amalekites. And the Israelites won the battle as a result of that. Well, that's prevailing so that we can understand what does it mean to prevail. He pictures this battle. And as long as his arms were up, they prevailed. So, travailing leads to prevailing. 
So let's look at it at these couplet verses, one and two, three, four, five, and six, with that in mind. The first two, all those four times in two verses saying, How long, O Lord? How long, how long, how long? Always asking that was that's lamenting to God. Lord, and you know, we may think, well, is he just complaining to God? Well, it can kind of sound like that. But do you know the Lord has given us lamentations in the scripture? Josh led us through a a study of that sometime back and lamentations of Jeremiah the prophet lamenting to God, Lord, this is the way it used to be. This is the way it is because we've neglected You. We've, we've walked away from You. Lord, do something. Would You bring us back? Would You restore us? There is that lamenting. Well, that lamenting, when you, when you see what David was going through, there's that sense of just feeling forsaken, feeling forgotten, feeling abandoned. Uh, it's not the only time. Remember these 41 Psalms go together. See if this sounds familiar to you. A few Psalms over in chapter 22, 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You heard that before? Jesus used those words, quoted those words on the cross as He gave His life. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. That's lament. Lord, have you forsaken me? Have you forgotten me? Lord, we need you. There's that lamenting the condition. How long, oh Lord? Lord, please answer me before it's too late and I die. How long, oh Lord? The cry of one who is bearing burdens and sorrows that just feel too heavy. How long, O oh Lord? That's lament. Have you ever been in such a place? And are you there now? You know, we always walk in the doors of church or we see each other from time to time and uh, we may not even be aware who is lamenting today because they feel forsaken, they feel forgotten, they feel their need for God to do what only God can do. They're crying out to God. Lord, would you correct this situation? Would you help my loved one? Would you heal where healing is needed? Lord, would you do whatever it is? We're not always aware that there may be those who are lamenting right here in this room today. Could I say this? Lament is good and honest. It's being honest with God. Lament is not something we try to deny or try to get through it in a hurry. Lamenting, if you read the Psalms, especially these first 41, you're going to find lament after lament after lament. David crying out, Lord God, I'm in a desperate situation. Only you can change it. Or crying out on behalf of a nation. Lord, our nation has walked away from you. Lord, help. Lament is a good thing, an honest thing. I, I, love, I love it that God wants us to be honest with Him. Just he gave us so many examples. 
I'll mention this briefly. You've heard me say this about Habakkuk before. Habakkuk is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Because he's, he's always asking, Lord, how long are you going to let these totally, absolutely ungodly people prevail over your people who are sinful and not doing very well, but we're way better than they are? How long are you going to let this go on? And the Lord just beautifully spoke to him and said, the just shall live by faith. Then he spoke to him again and said, the Lord is in his holy temple. He's right where he should be. He's ruling. He's reigning. But all the earth keeps silence before him. But you know, the Lord never rebuked Habakkuk for just being honest. He never rebukes anybody. David, he doesn't say, what do you mean? Forget me forever. Do you think I've forgotten you? What do you mean turn your face from me? What do you mean saying these kind of things to me? The Lord doesn't say that to him. Lamenting is a healthy thing and it's a good thing to be there, but don't stay there. <laughs> there are a lot of good things, places to be, but you don't want to stay. So, here are a couple of things to remember. If you're one of those who today you came in the door and lament would be a good description of your heart. Know first of all, God loves it when His people are just honest with Him. Don't deny it. Have you forgotten me, Lord? But the second thing is this. Remember that the Lord, when He was trying to say what the ministry of the Messiah would be. Listen to what he said in one of the greatest prophecies, Isaiah 53, that we all know points ahead to the Messiah. He says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Whether it's a picture of the Messiah, it's pictured as a suffering servant, or if it's the psalmist talking about the Lord, a way to describe some of that would be the Lord is our burden bearer. If you're here today with burdens all over you, and you walked in the door with burden after burden after burden, and you feel the lament in your own soul. The Lord is our burden bearer. That's why we're told, and I think it's First Peter that says, roll your cares over on Him, because He cares for you. He cares in a deeper and better way than you can care and than I can care. He's the burden bearer. Lament is our travailing, in a sense, that leads us to prayer so that we may become one who prevails. Prayer is what is led to. But this It may not sound like it exactly, but look at verses 3 and 4 where David, he's on this how long, how long, how long, how long in verses 1 and 2. And then he says, here's a prayer, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say, 
I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Lord, light up my eyes. Deliver me in a way that only you can do. Light up my eyes so that we may see the work of God even in our current darkness. We need to see, Lord, what you see. Because right now, all I see is kind of bad stuff. Right now, all I see is I feel forgotten. Well, Lord, help me to see what you see. Now, if you were in junior youth, how many of you are in junior youth? Uh, you were this summer sometimes, huh? Junior youth, raise your hands. I see some hands. Okay, you, you already know the answer to this. You already know what this is about. Because we studied Psalm 19 together right after you got through swimming. You may remember this. Psalm 19, 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, and here it is, enlightening the eyes. What's David praying for? Lord, lighten my eyes. Cause me to see. Well, what is it that causes us to see? It is the word of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It is God's word that helps us to see clearly, even when we feel like all we can realize is darkness. Light up my eyes, Lord. Enlightening of the eyes. It's asking God, Lord, would you speak? Lord, would you act? Lord, would you do what only you can do and help me to see like you see, instead of seeing like I see, which is so limited. Help me to see what you see. Charles Spurgeon, in writing comments about, about this uh, psalm, said this, a hidden face is no sign of a forgetful heart. A hidden face is no sign of a forgetful heart. We may not be able to see God's face, God's word, God's acting, God's deliverance. We may not be able to see that right now. And that's what the psalmist was saying in 13. So, Lord, I need you to enlighten my eyes. I'm not seeing. Well, we may not be able to see the face of God in His delivering power. But that does not mean that the heart of God is not ministering to us. And soon we will see His face. One of the purposes of prayer is to focus our attention on God allowing us to see who He is, what He has done in the past, what He can do, what He will do. And, and that brings us from lamenting to rejoicing and trusting. Prayer. Prayer, but that, that thing that we say, well, that's the answer to everything. Every preacher says that. Everybody says that. I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray. Well, good. Let's do it. Pray. We must pray. People who cry out to God. And, and do you know that if, this is one of the purposes, I think, of Bible reading. There's Bible study where you really dig deep into something, and there's just Bible reading. And one of the things that I like about just general Bible reading, uh, not as opposed to studying, but in addition to study. I love general Bible reading because it just reminds me of what I so easily forget. This is what God did in the past. This is who God has shown Himself to be to other generations and other people. And because God is the Lord. He doesn't change. So what He was to this person, He is to me. What He did, He can do here. This is the same Lord. He's not different. And I need to understand that He can address my situations he can enlighten my eyes. He can cause me to see even if His face seems hidden from me. That does not mean His heart is turned from me. Lamenting. 
leads us into prayer. We, Lord, we lament that everything is like it is. We're just, we're saddened, we're sorrowful. We're feeling the weight and the burden of that. So what do we do? We pray. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lord, do something before I die. <laughs> Lord, would you move? Would you work? Would you answer me? That's that prayer. And that leads to rejoicing. And this is where this psalm is so beautiful. Six verses. And you know, this is a summary of a long process. You know, that you don't lament for two verses. Pray for two verses, and then all of a sudden you're rejoicing for two verses. This is a summary of I don't know how long, but a long time, because David was running from Saul and hiding from spears and doing everything that he could to avoid dying until that time that the Lord made him king. He was lamenting long and crying out for a long time. But here we have verses 5 and 6. Now get this. He's just, how long, how long, how long, how long? Lord, consider me, enlighten my eyes, help me to see. And then he comes to verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Now I read this and I thought, it doesn't sound very bountiful. You know, you've, you've dealt bountifully with me. Well, uh, he just got through saying, are you going to forget me forever? You're going to hide your face from me? I'm, I'm taking my own counsel. I don't have anybody else's to, get, to receive. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? He just said all that. And he says, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm looking to the Lord now. I'm seeing what he has done and who he is. And I'm praying to him, and I can say, Lord, you have dealt bountifully with me. Help me to see my, the lament of my heart in the context of everything you've done in my life. We get our security from God's word, and we're encouraged to delight in it. Listen to this. The very first psalm, verse 2. His delight, well, let me get verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. God is saying, here's my law, here's my word, here's my commandments. You can see through them my heart for you. Meditate on them. Think about that. Think about the Lord who loved you enough to give us a law, to give us commandments, to give us Himself, and ultimately to give us the incarnation, Jesus, the Word made flesh. We get our security from that. Chapter 12. Remember these first 41 have similar themes. Chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are what? They're pure, pure words. Like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. This is the word of the Lord that comes to us. I need to be reminded of that. That's one reason I just like to read the Bible every day. Because I forget. I'm, 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 it's scary how much I forget. But I need to be reminded every day. This is what God has said. This is who God is. This is His heart for me. I need that. I need it every single day. Junior youth may be thinking of this. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
Revival in the heart, revival in the soul, revival of the work of God. Where does it come from? Our security is in the Word of God. And how we need that just to wash over us. Washing the water of the Word to wash over us, to bring healing into our lives. So remembering God's Word, remembering His nature, remembering His past works, remembering who He is, gives us grounds of trust. Even in our toughest times, even when we are at the stage of lament, we can be brought to trust because of the faithfulness of God. We could even be brought to a place to say with David, all right, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. God's love and His care are, are described as steadfast. I have trusted in your steadfast love. A few weeks ago in home group, we studied the word hesed in the Old Testament. The steadfast love of the Lord that nothing can drown it out. Nothing can drive it away. That steadfast keeps coming at you, will not go away, cannot be drowned out by anything or anybody or the noise of the world. Anything cannot drown out what God is saying to us. Steadfast love. He will pursue. He will come for us. We need to be reminded of that so that even if we're in a time of lamenting, that will lead us to prayer and ultimately lead us to rejoicing. The travail and lament, it leads us to prayer. That leads us to prevailing. Travail leads to prevailing. Travail, lamenting, leads to prayer which leads us into rejoicing and trusting in the Lord. How then can we apply this in our lives and what do we take from it today? Remember I said this serves as kind of a template because we all go through the lament stage and hopefully we get through that to the prayer stage and hopefully through that to the rejoicing and trusting stage. Well, while Psalm 13 is written in the context of David's life and his situations, there, it, it shows us it's an expression of the goodness and kindness of God so that we see that he wants to rescue his people so that we too can finally prevail. Now, we need that because we need our hope restored. We need our hope restored. You ever get up some mornings and you feel, uh, you, don't, you may not say it, but you feel sort of hopeless? Our hope needs to be restored. It comes through God's Word and God's way of working with us. This psalm reminds us that the Christian life is filled with conflict. We do have an enemy of our soul. Satan's desire, he is called in the Revelation often the accuser of the brethren. He is the enemy of our soul. He is the one that wants to frustrate God's people. We can even feel forsaken or forgotten in the middle of our conflicts, our opposition or afflictions of any kind, even sickness. We might want to say, Lord, where are you? And how long will I feel so estranged from you? Book one of the Psalms reminds us that ultimately God and his word will prevail. I ask you this, I ask myself this, do you believe that? 
Do you believe that what God says is more important than the discouraging voices that we hear around us? The accuser of the brethren saying to us, you're a lousy Christian, how can you even claim to be one? You sorry disciple. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? Is the word of the Lord powerful enough to overcome that? Do you believe that? You know, Psalms points to a liberating, majestic king. You know, in David's life, he went from have a spear thrown at him, be unappreciated, chasing around in the desert, and he even says, why are you after me, Saul? I'm just like a flea on a dog, and you're out here trying to kill me. And you go from that, then riding into the very kingdom of Israel on a donkey, humility, riding in, acknowledged as king of Israel. How do you get from one to the other? And yet, the travail of the suffering leads to the prevailing of the rejoicing and understanding that God has dealt bountifully with us. Now, the one who suffers is the one who eventually rejoices. This is where God takes us. And the interesting thing is Jesus identified with both ends of that spectrum. The suffering servant became the coming king. Notice that even when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, rode on a donkey in humility, people threw down their cloaks and waved and laid down the palm branches and all of that. What was quoted was from Zechariah. And here was the quote. Your king is coming to you. This guy that hardly anybody knew, riding on a donkey, stepping on cloaks and palm branches. And what's quoted is, your king, Israel, is coming to you. And what did he do? He came to them. They said, we'll have no part of that. We had an idea of king in a different way than what we're seeing. So they killed him. So the one that they put to death, suffered on their behalf, was resurrected. Who could stop it? Did God's word have the final say or not? That the one who suffered and died was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and at this very moment is praying for you and for me by name because he knows us. He's preparing a place for us so that one day we may live with Him for eternity. Do you believe it? It is what God's Word says. Do we believe that? The Word of God is clear. Here's the one who suffers the travail of the crucifixion and the death on the cross. All of those things has now become the reigning King. Resurrected from the dead, he will come again and take his own to himself. Jesus. His travail lets us prevail. So, if we're saying today, how long, O Lord? Let us focus our attention on the one who calls himself our burden bearer. He's the one who bears all of our burdens 
sins, all of our burdens, our worries, our sickness, everything. We lay it before his feet and our burden bearer becomes the king and he restores hope in our lives. We need that hope. I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And we say that today. Even if we're at the stage of lamenting, can we look ahead and see, but I'm not going to live there. I'm moving ahead, praying, fixing my eyes on the Lord, my burden bearer, and I'm going to rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done and are doing and will do. Thank you for being the very hope of our lives, Lord. We trust you, Father. And where we're having trouble trusting, would you help us, Lord, with our unbelief? Help us, Lord, when we're having a hard time trusting. Lord, we pray that you would lift up the discouraged today. We pray that you would give hope to those who may be despairing. Lord, would you give comfort to those who suffer, and even mourn. And would you cause us to remember, Lord, your great salvation, all that you have done and will do. And we'll rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen.